You're listening to a sermon from Mission Ridge Church. Hang around after the message to learn more about Mission Ridge. Sermon notes for this message, or any of our other messages, can be found on our mobile app. Just search for Mission Ridge Church in Google Play or the App Store. Thanks for tuning in. We are in our last week of our sermon series called Parables, and this week we actually cover the last pair of parables. And when I thought about that, I saw these two bowls uh, in Logan's graphic, and uh, it made me chuckle. And so it feels fitting. We've been covering the 10 parables that, that Mark presents in his gospel. And then during Lenten season, we will cover the larger narrative of Mark and, and, and see what Mark is saying to a Roman audience, to a Roman audience. So I hope that you'll join us next week for that. This week, we can't jump straight to the parables though, because uh, the parables by themselves wouldn't make sense and we would be lost. Jesus is uh, connecting these parables to a larger conversation he's having with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And so we will have to start at the beginning of Mark chapter 13. Now we are going to get into some, some challenging topics today uh, when it comes to end times. And uh, I'll tell you up front that, that I'm not going to answer all your questions about end times. That's not the focus of this, of this message. Uh, it's a message for another day. Uh, at Mission Ridge, we believe that we could have different views on the end times and, and still serve alongside each other, still love Jesus together, and just have different opinions because it's complex, it's confusing. Um, I think some of the conversation by Jesus is veiled on purpose. And so for us to land solidly one place or another, I'm, I'm okay with that, but let's not build walls because of our opinions on this particular matter. Let's love each other through that. So it's uh, one of the areas that we choose to um, agree to disagree if we have different opinions. And so, uh, but there's important conversation going on here and, and that's what we're going to cover Starting Mark chapter 13, verse one, as Jesus was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, you rockhead. No. Um, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? Well, all right. So already interesting. Uh, Jesus is talking about the temple and I want you to build a picture of this in your mind. So we have a picture here of of an artist rendition of the Temple Mount. Now, the Mount of Olives where they're sitting is up to the right of the Temple Mount. It's east of the Temple Mount. Uh, the long bridge that is heading away from the Temple Mount, that is heading west. So that's important to note. Uh, today, much of the Temple Mount still exists. The temple does not. The stones were quite literally thrown down. Okay. Uh, This was 
a gorgeous facility uh, built by King Herod. It's really important to note that this is the second temple, not the first one, and that God's presence never shows up. We never have in recorded history, God's presence showing up on this temple like we have in the first temple. So apparently uh, Herod was impressed. God was not. That's important for us to notice. Okay. Um, the, the temple Mount is roughly 25 football fields. This next slide gives you some kind of indication of what that's like. So if you're looking down on the campus of university of Montana, that's about how much space would take up for the temple Mount. It's a big space. Uh, next slide gives you a sense of what the walls of the temple Mount that that are in existence today. So this structure is 2000 years old and it is standing firm. The temple itself would probably be still standing if it wasn't for the Romans being so angry with the, with the Jews. And in fact, uh, Titus, who was the general that was leading the charge against the Israelites, he did not want the temple destroyed. He tried to save it, but his, uh, his, army was so incensed by the Jews that they did not listen to him. The Romans were not in the business of destroying temples. They just co-opted them. They're like, nice temple. Our God's bigger than your God. We're going to keep your temple as a reminder that our God is bigger than your God. All right. So uh, this wall at this point is about 62 feet tall. Just to, again, to give you the scale of the immensity of this. Now, Jesus said that every stone would be thrown down. The disciples are, are in awe of the temple. Um, again, it was beautiful. What happened is that the Romans set the temple on fire and all the gold that was within the temple sucked into the stones. Well, we destroyed the temple. No reason to leave it somewhat intact and we might as well get the gold out. So the next slide shows you 2000 year old rubble. This is where archeologists believe that they threw the stones down. Again, Romans weren't in the business of destroying temples. Jesus is pretty cool. You might want to pay attention to what he has to say when he says it, right? Um, this Slide also reminds me that my kids are not the only ones that know, don't know how to deal with garbage. And it somewhat reminds me of my driveway because uh, we dug out part of our driveway and we threw the remains off to the side and the remains remain there. And archaeologists are going to find them centuries from now and wonder what happened. So we have that. So again, Jesus is telling his disciples that the temple will be destroyed. And they're like, Hey, tell us how we're going to know this is taking place. Tell us when these things will be. And to answer their question, Jesus is going to spend most of the rest of this chapter presenting his disciples with the most de debated text of his three-year ministry. Like if, if within Christianity, if we want to argue over anything, we're going to argue over this text and the text that uh, uh, Mark's or Matthew's presentation in 
Matthew 24 and 25. And Luke presents the same conversation his own way in Luke chapter 21. They're all a little different. They all have a little different audiences, but this is a highly debated text. And since it's not the focus of what we're talking about this morning, I'm going to just spark note this just to give you an idea of what Jesus talks about. So he said things like this, see to it that no one misleads you. He said, there's going to be people coming and saying, I am he, I'm, and there's going to be false Christ, right? Jesus tells us there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdoms against kingdoms. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be famines. He says, you'll be flogged. And he says, you'll stand before governors and kings. So far, how much do we know about when the temple is going to be destroyed? <laughs> we know Zilcho, <laughs> nothing concrete. He says the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And this is where you got to start scratching your head and going, Jesus, where are you going with this? Because we know that the gospel still has been reached, hasn't been presented in all nations. In fact, quite literally in Greek, it's all languages. There are uh, translators that are actively pursuing to translate the Bible in those languages that don't have the Bible today because they want to see this prophecy fulfilled. They want to do their part to move God's kingdom forward. And so it seems like there's a larger conversation going on here than just the destruction of the temple. And again, he hasn't said anything to this point that would go, oh, that's when we'll know the temple's being destroyed, right? He said, brother will betray brother to death, a father, a child, a child will uh, betray his parents. And he says, you'll be hated by all because of my name. Now that still happens in certain parts of our world. And he says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the place it should not be, make sure that you flee Judea. Now, I actually think that particular line, uh, his disciples would have understood. And that will spoke more directly to the destruction of the temple. But then he goes back to this. Behold, here is the Christ. Some will be saying, behold, here is the Christ. False Christ and false prophets will arise they'll show signs and wonders in order to lead people astray. And he says, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Stars will be falling down from heaven. Powers are in the heavens will be shaken. And the son of man coming in clouds with great power and great glory. Now in this section, Jesus is just flat out quoting Old Testament prophets. He quotes Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, He's just quoting the Old Testament scriptures and hoping that his disciples can follow along. Again, sermon for another day. And then he says this, then the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He says the son of man will show up again. Christ will return. And that's what he says about the destruction of the temple. All right. Uh, not a lot to hang our hat on here. Uh, there's uh, this conversation is highly abstract and highly veiled. Like Jesus isn't giving clear answers. You walk away from this conversation and you don't know 
when the temple is going to be destroyed. Right? And yet this is a highly debated section of scripture because, well, this tells us exactly what's going to look like when Christ returns. Um, all right. Your reading is better than mine. Um, because there's not a lot here for me to hang my hat on. And I have looked at this a long time. Ancient of days, right, Logan? So G- Jesus is asked about the, the destruction of the temple and he seems to add this conversation about his return as well. And he seems to be having a larger conversation. Now, sometimes in the prophets, what you'll see, and we see this in Isaiah, we see this in Ezekiel, they'll be talking about something close, but they'll also be talking about something far away. And, you know, it's kind of like, like you're in focus here first, closer, but then all of a sudden this becomes obscure and the farther away conversation becomes more in focus, but then it comes back to the, and you're like, well, where are you at? Which conversation are you talking about? Is this the destruction of the temple? Is this your return? And, and the answer is yes, go wrestle with this, right? Go figure this stuff out. I do believe that when it comes to what God is doing ultimately about the return of Christ, there is a mystery to it and it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be that way because if it was super simple, then we could go, we could go to Wikipedia and, and look up the end of the world and, oh, by the way, there's pages and pages and pages of people that have answers or maybe not, there's been all kinds of, of uh, proclamations about when the world was going to uh, end, including Y2K. How did that go? I think David Koresh, didn't he have a date in mind? There was a date in the 80s. Uh, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of entries on this Wikipedia page in the past where people were like, it's definitely this date. Oh, nope, it's tomorrow. Nope, next week. Wait a minute six years from now. And if you could send some money my way, that'd be really helpful. Not a helpful conversation. But Jesus continues. And and I think he starts to go from abstract to concrete right about here in Mark 13 verses 28 through 31. He says this, now learn the parable of the fig tree when its branch was already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is right at the door. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So again, Jesus is talking about answering the question about the destruction of the temple. How are we going to know that this is going to take place? And he seems to add his return to the conversation. He makes his, his disciples had this much of conversation in mind. And he says, let's expand that out. Uh, as parents, we do that all the time. Our kids ask us a question. We're like, yeah, 
You don't, you're not seeing everything. Let me explain some more things to you. Um, and this is also, Jesus is within a few days of his death, burial, and resurrection. So he, he only has a little bit more time with his disciples and he's being a little more direct with them, right? But on the surface level, I think we could take away from this parable that we are, as, as followers of Christ, we're to pay attention. We're to pay attention to what's going on around us. He says, you, you know, when a, when, a, when a fig tree is in leaf, like, you know, it's about, about ready to happen. Pay attention to the, to, the, to the world conversation. Pay attention to what's going on around you. We should always be aware. There should be an awareness of what's going on in our world. And so that seems to be an important conversation for him. Um, and then he seems to connect his story to actually a number of prophets. I went looking for a fig tree in the Old Testament and I was surprised to find out that 15 times the fig tree shows up uh, in the prophets, 15 times. It's actually a lot. I, and, and of those 15 times, 13 of the 15 times, he's saying that I'm going to discipline you, Israel. I'm going to discipline you, Judah. And I'm going to use other people to do that. And your fig trees, they're producing fruit. Someone else is going to enjoy that fruit. You won't. And so I wonder if Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey guys, when the temple is destroyed, I just want you to remember that this is the work of God. This is God using Rome as a tool because the temple system was broken. The priesthood was corrupt. The people were not being ministered to by the priests. The priests were feeding themselves. The priests were becoming rich. I, I, you know, there's, uh, there's few things that drive me crazier than, than a pastor that, uh, that needs uh, a jetliner or, or a private jet in order for him to do his work. What? Jesus shows up on a donkey and you need a jet. The Lord told you this. That, that just does not make sense to me. Uh, I think that everybody in the room should make a, a livable wage. I'm all about people prospering. But the priesthood should not prosper at the expense of the people. And God will hold religious leaders accountable. And he held the priesthood accountable. This, and again, I, I, this section, like, like his disciples were like, tell us about the destruction of the temple. And he's like, let me also include the conversation about my return. Now to the disciples at that time, those are two really important conversations uh, to us. There's only one really important conversation. When's Jesus coming back? Right? Like to us, it's like, yeah, the temple, shmemple. <laughs> I guess we have no emotional attachment to that temple. 
but maybe just for a day we should. And we'll, and we'll get there. We'll get there. Jesus continues. He says, but th- that day or hour, no one knows. Day, an hour of what? The destruction of the temple or his return? I'm guessing both. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. Take heed, keep on alert, for you do not know when the point of time will come. It is like a man going away on a journey who upon leaving his house, putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task. Also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on alert. Therefore be on alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, and I think even those of us in the room, be on the alert. Be on the alert. And so the surface level of this parable, we know that the surface level of being parable matters. We need to be on alert. He says it four times. He wants us to pay attention as servants of Christ, as slaves of the kingdom, as those entrusted stewards of the kingdom, we need to be on alert and we need to be doing the tasks assigned to each of us by him. Now, sometimes in some churches, what I've heard that the way I've seen that kind of live out is that there's this big personality walking around telling people what their tasks are from him. And that's just not how we function as a church. I'm not here to tell you what God's call is on your life. I'm here to partner with you once you hear from him so that we can help you live that out. Uh, there was one time in particular where, where, where Christy and I, we spent hours praying. We would walk and pray. We literally spent uh, 30, 45 days walking and praying together an, an hour a night. Like we spent a lot of time and we made this decision to, to move to another community after we were done with at this one community. And uh, the, the senior pastor came to me and says, Rob, I've been praying and I think you should stay here. I'm like, huh, I didn't hear you when I was praying. (laughs) I didn't notice your voice as my wife and I walked and prayed together. I wonder if, if he spent as many hours as my wife and I did praying. I, now I love the man. I think he's a good man. Uh, but I don't think that was a right conversation. We're not here to tell you what God's call is and what task he's assigned to you, but we are here to champion you once you notice that and partner with you in that. And so we need to be on the alert. We need to be doing the tasks that he has assigned to us. But Jesus seems to connect this story to another story in the Old Testament, like he does with his parables, right? So let's take a look at that. Because maybe that will give us some insight on what being alert looks like. And what's amazing about this is, you know, I was listening to 
Marty Solomon on his podcast. And, and uh, he was actually covering Matthew, which Matthew has this same conversation, but uses different stories, especially the different parables at the end of this, of this whole section. Uh, he tells four parables that are different than the two parables that, that Mark presents here. And Marty connected to this same story in the Old Testament using that connects to one of his parables that, or one of Matthew's parables. I, I find that really fascinating. Uh, so both Matthew and Mark seem to want us to go look at that same story. So let's look at it. Uh, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Now, when you think about an eight-year-old becoming king, you, you, you're probably thinking, that's a bad, that's a bad idea, right? <laughs> how many, how old's your son? Five. Five. All right, in three years, he'll be ready, right? <laughs> um, in this case, it actually worked out all right. Um, it says, he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father, David, nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. All right, so good king. I have a whole line of bad kings. Uh, in, in a 500 year period, there are three good kings and the rest, and I think there's 20 kings in total. 17 bad kings, three good kings. Not a great ratio. Now in the 18th year of King Josiah, so he's now 26 years old, the king set Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe to the house of Lord saying, go up to Hilakai, the high priest, that he may count the money before or count the money brought into the house of Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. Okay. So there's a doorkeeper connection between Jesus story and this story. And there's also the temple connection, Right. It says, let them deliver into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord and let them give it to the workmen who are in the house of the Lord to repair the damage of the house to the carpenters and the builders and the masons for the buying timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands for they deal faithfully. The workmen are so faithful that God says, or, or the king says, we don't have to micromanage them. They don't have to give an account of what they're doing. I, I implicitly trust them. Then Hilkiah, the high priest said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan who read it. Shaphan, the scribe came to the king and brought it back word to the king and said, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and has delivered into the house of the workmen who have oversight in the house of the Lord. Who has oversight in the house of the Lord? The workmen. This is the first story I've ever seen in the scriptures where the high priest didn't have oversight over the house of the Lord. He should be the leader, but the de facto leaders are the workmen. The high priest's leadership is so poor that the king is depending on laymen to get the work done, to move the kingdom forward, to, to, to ensure that, the, that there's the right kind of worship going on 
within this kingdom. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. <laughs> a book. Uh, some of you have given me a book. And honestly, I don't remember all the books that some of you've given me. <laughs> this is not a book. This is the book. This book defines everything about the temple, about worship, about how the high priest functions. Oh, by the way, we found a book. Guys, the dysfunction is so huge in this moment in their history. Here's a king that wants to honor God and his high priest can't even help him. Like he's 18 years. Can you imagine Tom Brady not having a playbook for 18 years? Some of you probably wish he didn't have a playbook for 18 years. I know my wife would prefer him not to have a playbook for 18 years. Can you imagine the, the quarterback showing up without the playbook and everybody else, the linemen are doing their job. They know what they're supposed to do. They, they don't have to give an accounting. The wide receivers, they don't have to give an accounting. They know what they're doing. And the quarterback is back there going, what in the world is going on here? That's what the high priest, that's what's going on right here, right now. Within God's kingdom. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. He knew exactly what this meant. He knew that they were failing God and that God was going to have to bring judgment on his people. As a leader, that is a sucky moment. I think about the movie Titanic when, when, the, uh, uh, when the captain knew that his ship was going down. As a leader, that is a sucky moment. And the king understands that he, what he's going to do is, is try to control the chaos. He's going to do the best he can. He's going to provide safety to as many people as he can. But ultimately, God's going to bring judgment on the people of Israel because of this. He knows it. He knows it. So again, Jesus says, the temple's going to be destroyed. Not the first time that this has happened. Remember, this is the second temple. Guys, our, our, our history is going to repeat itself. But he wants his disciples to know that, 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 that this is part of God's plan. And that God disciplines us because, because he loves us. He wants to get our attention. You know, there's that verse in the Bible that says, surely your, your, surely your sin will find you out. I don't steal because I know my God loves me too much. Because I have proved it over and over again that when I steal, uh, 
he gets me. If I, if I live differently than his design, I know he loves me enough to go, Rob, that's not going to work. <laughs> Your sin has found you out. And so Jesus is saying that, guys, we've been repeating our history and we need to change. We need to do things differently. And one of the implications is this, be so faithful to your kingdom work that no accounting is required. Be so faithful to the work that God calls us here in Missoula that no one needs to account for what you're doing. Be so faithful that that God doesn't have to check up on you. Just be faithful to the work that God has, has placed in your hearts. Do your part and be faithful to it. Now, again, when, whenever Jesus tells a parable, he, he's answering a question of that present time, but he's also speaking, every parable speaks to how do we live within this kingdom? What is the message for us? How do we live this out? What are the kingdom values? And faithfulness is at the top of the list. Who was found faithful in this story? Not the high priest, right? It was the common man. It was, it was the workmen. It's the people that hang drywall, clean buildings, design systems for, for buildings. It's the people that sell insurance, veterinarians, musicians. That's who, who had any level of redemption in this moment with King Josiah. That, that's, that's, those were the faithful ones. And so Jesus says to his disciples, guys, the temple would be torn down. Our way of worship will be forever changed. They haven't rebuilt it. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I, I think about this, you know, the first five books of the Bible speak an awful lot about how we're supposed, how, not we, how the Jews are to worship their God. And yet most of it has become spiritualized. They decided, hey, we don't have a temple anymore. Therefore, we're not going to make sacrifice. But in a, in a spiritual sense, we're going to connect with our God. Okay, well, that's a lot, lot of wasted words, right? <laughs> Jesus says the temple will be born down. This kingdom will need new priests. And you are its priests. You are the ones that have to be the priests. Peter says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter's saying to people that are brand new to this, guys, you are a kingdom of priests. You are to tell the world who your God is and you are to connect people to your God. That is now your job. There is no temple. In fact, 
in this week's reading in Corinthians for uh, our life transforming group, we're told that we are the temple of God, that the Holy Spirit resides in us. That's why roughly right is such an important uh, core value for us. It's like, you know what? We don't, we make mistakes. There's not a person in this room that is perfect. We get up, we dust ourselves, we keep going because we are that temple. And so we don't just give up because we made a mistake. We don't give up because we faltered. We get up so that we can continue to tell the story of who our God is. And maybe the way we face our mistakes is one of the most redemptive things that we tell our people, our neighbors, our friends, our family. We have this on our website. Every Christian is equally valuable and equally called to full-time Christian service, regardless of his or her vocation. Every disciple of Christ has an important role to play and their importance to that function, mission of the church are equally vital. We believe that the church should both have active ministries within the body as well as in the community. So we believe that, that although what happens on Sunday is important, that how you guys live with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, out beyond these walls is actually more important. And our job as pastors is to come alongside you and, and help you grow in your relationship with God so that as you engage the world, as you engage those that matter to you, they recognize who your God is and are able to connect to him too. Because Peter says, he who called you out of darkness like he's talking to a Gentile people that had no connection to God until Peter came along and, and, and other disciples came along and helped him have that conversation with them. They were called out of darkness into a light. And that was my life. That was my life. And so the old priesthood failed. They lost the scriptures in Josiah's time, in Jesus' time, he says, you don't understand the power of God nor the scriptures. Like you don't even have a clue. And you are the priests. You're supposed to be telling the world who our God is. Uh, we know that the priesthood was corrupt. They became rich. Like in today's terms, definitely millionaire, maybe we're heading towards billionaire status for the high priest crazy how rich he was. 17 baths in his house, something like that. Archaeologists tell us today, crazy how rich he was. And they cared more about power than God's reputation. In contrast, we should care about God's reputation. We should be serving the poor and we should help people understand the power of God and understand his scriptures. And so you, my friends, are called to be a priest in your own homes, in your own neighborhoods, in your workplaces. And as a priest, your job is to tell the world what your God is like, what his attributes are, what he likes, what he dislikes, that he's a God of generosity, that he's a God that forgives, 
that he's a, he's a funny God. I mean, he made a platypus. He's got a sense of humor. Come on, nothing more ridiculous than a platypus. Um, and he made Logan and I in our sense of humor. So you, you know he's a funny God. He's a very funny God. Your job is to tell the world what your God is like. And your job is to help connect people to your God. That's what a priest does. And maybe that's why Jesus connects his story to the Josiah story through the doorkeepers, because doorkeepers are to, are to let people in. The church sometimes is known for, for keeping people out. Come back when you're healthy. So backwards. Nope. You're in darkness. Come on in. We'll help you. We'll help you get past that. We'll, we'll figure it out together. You don't have to clean up before you show up. Come as you are. We're roughly right too. My question for you this morning is, is, is who knows God? Who knows your God? Because of you. Who are you helping connect to him? Are you being faithful? Are you on alert? Or something distracting you from the mission? From the mission. See, we could talk about the return of Christ and what that means. And, and that's important. Like I, I long for that day. But if, but that distracts us from actually loving and serving people and helping them connect to God, that's a mistake. And if us arguing over what this chapter means and, and what the, all the details point to, if, if us arguing over that keeps people from actually connecting in because we're so busy arguing with each other that we don't see the people around us and what their needs are and how we could connect them to God. That'd be a mistake too. And so this morning, I just invite you to, to remind yourself that you are a priest, that you represent your God, that, that, that we don't have to build an image of who he is because we bear that image together. We are his temple. We are his priest. And we are the ones, each one of us, that connect people to our God. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Mission Ridge Church. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. We are a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come join us for worship. Service times, location, and loads of other fun stuff can be found on our mobile app or our website. You can find our mobile app by searching for Mission Ridge Church in your app store. Our website can be found at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know if my coffee was just, I cooked it extra long this morning, but I feel wired. We're going to go fast today. This is going to be fun. You guys will have lunch early.
promise. All right, now I'm making promises I can't keep. <laughs>